0: Akbar! And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic. What they speak in Bahrain. Uh, actually, they speak, according to the internet, 240 languages.
1: Whoa, it's too many. Too
0: many. That might be all of them. Uh, but Arabic is the official language. Um, for what's up or how are you? Now that testing is out of the way and the season is here, we're about to see what's up with these cars and how they are. I'm Drew Scanlon, joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny?
1: I'm doing great. I forgot you did the thing where you say a different, you speak in a different language at the start of the podcast. So you were really
2: startled by Shakbar.
1: Really, just, out, I was very confused. I had, I had one of those feelings of turning up to class for the exam, where like suddenly I was on a podcast where I didn't speak the language, which is a mm. totally new, terrifying dream for me. Um, which, considering this is, I believe, our ninth year doing this, you think I'd be used to it by now. Uh, well,
0: um, Rob Zachney is also here. How are you, Rob?
2: Not bad. Uh, feeling better than some F1 teams I could name. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Let's go first. Who's, who had the worst testing? McLaren? McLaren? That's, I mean, that's kind okay. of my tip. Yeah, I think, for, yeah. like, yes. I mean, anytime you have a team unveil its new car with like a, well, here it is, I guess, <laughs> you, you know, you're in for a special season. It will be memorable.
1: We've gone with papaya this
0: year. <laughs> Uh, If you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer episode, which just posted last week, assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff and the official Shift F1 Discord channel, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or
1: click the link in the show notes. What's going on this month, Danny? Uh, It's the start of a brand new season, so just a reminder to everyone that you can join our Patreon at any time, and you get access to all of the old episodes as well as uh, an entire season full of uh, bonus goodies. Uh, This year, of course, we're also doing video. You can watch us on YouTube right now at youtube.com slash shift F1. I believe that's what it is. Hopefully it is. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, pretty sure. Um, And uh, we'll also have uh, a bonus video podcast over there as well. And, of course, you can do it annually. You get 8% off any one of the tiers, it's basically a month for free if you sign up annual, do it now. Start of the season, no better time to become a patron. Uh, we're going to do Drive to Survive as our bonus podcast for the first month. Unlike other months where we've done like, like t- t- three and then I think we did two, episodes of drive to survive i'm pretty sure we're just gonna bundle this all in one episode problem
2: is this one is dense i will like I'm, I'm with you but i will say like unlike last year where i felt we were it was really uh in bilbo's memorable phrase like a bit of butter <laughs> scraped over too much bread uh this season i would say uh is a little more nutrient rich okay if you're an f1 fan so i, I will i will just say that
0: but what we what we have done in the past is like we do we we stretch it over Three months, right? Yes. Isn't that what we did? Like you know, we February, did. March, and April is Far the entire. You know, we do three episodes per. I, I that doesn't make sense. I think what we're gonna do is either we're gonna cram it all into one episode, or we'll, we'll cram it into multiple episodes, but split it up over this month. Yeah, and then next month we'll have something different.
1: I'm with you. I th- I think that's the issue is that it's like coming up to the pre- mid-season break, and we're still talking about... Trying right. to yeah, everyone's already <laughs> seen it but by April. And it's weird by then, because also, you, you, like, even now watching, it's weird. Like, I kind of needed to get it out of my system this this week because c- testing was on. So, like, it's like I, I'm holding two versions of reality in my head. It's like, yeah. why, wait, why is... You know, why, why is Pierre Gasly over there? <laughs> like, you know, it's <laughs> right. like, it's all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, Nicholas Latifi is in one shot last year in Drive to Survive in all the episodes I've watched. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, so, yeah, like you said, hey, if it needs to be a three-hour-long episode, you know, so be it. Let's do it that way. Um, Don't reject my body, can't cash. Exactly. Let's, let's do it. I'm, I'm writing checks all over the place. I'll do it. <laughs> you know who's writing checks? Our incredible title sponsors. Kigacha oh. of the Art, At Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, At Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, IronStation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton. Bunny Bonnet- Octothorpe, Bunny Crimes, Snigs, Alex Goucher, MVKB.com, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, Lackland the Madden Man, and of course, Jason Kelly. Thank you to all those folks for being on our top tier over on Patreon and plastering our uh, our F Shift F1 car with your beautiful stickers. slash uh, Shift F1. I will stop talking about that now. I think that's maybe the most URLs we've had. That's true. It's it's definitely gone that way. Although we didn't get crypto much last year, um, we didn't get we got one crypto for a while. We got one. We had, we had one. We were like a real Formula One team. We had we some did. crypto sponsorship. If anyone uh, out there is the, in AI and wants to jump, jump on, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Rob, who was the crypto? I forget the name, but it was a crypto I forget name. It too.
0: Yeah. So sign up again and, and give us more <laughs> money. Know. Well, yeah. they're broke now, so
1: they can't. They <laughs> no, they're in AI. They've put it all into AI now. Now they have a computer making their crypto for them, I assume. I don't know things. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: on that note, <laughs> let's talk about testing. This is the period of a few days before the season starts. Um, typically, it, it had been like multiple weeks before the yeah. um the the season started, but I think to cut down on costs, they've, it's now just one week beforehand. Um, it's kind of an open, you know, big chunk of time for teams to just run around. It's not like, you know, uh, very regimented like practice is just race the cars around, see if they break, uh, put whatever you want on them. Um, you'll see, uh, if you've seen any pictures from testing, sometimes you see like those big, like look like uh, metal grates on the back, or the front of the car, I think those are uh, uh, to uh, determine airflow. They've got mm. a bunch of sensors on there so they can see what their aerodynamics are doing. Flow viz is another really fun thing. They'll sometimes paint parts of the car with this fluorescent paint that then <laughs> uh, bleeds uh, with the airflow so the teams can actually see what the what the airflow is doing. Apparently that, stuff, their like,
1: apparently that stuff dries in like... In, like in five corners. Apparently, it's like you—the window for flow viz is incredibly tight. Wow. To the point where, like, it's 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 quite limited in how it can it can help. But like to your point, it it, it basically shows the aerodynamic uh, properties of where the where, on the surface of the car, which is important because those other things, those weird cheese grater things they put up, is are is mostly uh, monitoring the wash. It's 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 which are too you know different um, elements of aerodynamics that are possible that are important to to have data on
2: i realized this year and maybe they have just started doing it differently this year but i noticed that everyone seemed to do flow viz just on one side of the car at a time which makes sense because i suppose if you put it on both sides you would get more data points but then knowing which bit of flow viz came from which side would get a bit confusing but it does seem like they just tried to do one side, so you can just see how uh air spilling off because you know it's symmetrical Air spilling off half the front wing, how how the flow viz is like winding up the nose and the body uh, from fr- from that airflow. So that was that was kind of the nifty thing. Cause I I feel like in previous seasons, uh, cars wearing flow viz, the whole front end would kind of be uh, gunked <laughs> yeah. up, and this year they seemed a lot more choosy about where it went maybe i remember is the, it's the cost
1: cap, it? you're only allowed two cans of yeah. <laughs> maybe
0: uh i remember williams one year just painted their entire car
1: <laughs> like what help what what's going on it's like the opposite of, um, uh, of mercedes this year having put hardly any paint on their car
0: that is true so a few things to know about testing uh, especially like trying to read the tea leaves from it it can mm. be pretty difficult Uh, For one, teams aren't showing their all, like they are, the the term we use a lot is sandbagging. Um, uh, You you can never tell whether teams have turned it up all the way because, you know, they don't want to show their hand. Um, Really, the the first time that we're going to see them um, try their hardest is in qualifying for the first race of the season. Uh, You also don't know whether the teams are running full fuel loads, which um, I learned from watching a little bit of testing that uh, a full fuel fuel load can cost you six seconds per lap. That's wild. Versus an empty tank, which it's is incredible. that's a that's a big difference. Um, and uh, you also don't know necessarily whether teams have upgrades coming to uh, the first few races of the season. So even if a, a car performs relatively poorly in testing, they may have something that turns the season around, uh, or they might not. You know.
1: Yeah, um, test, testing's funny that way, isn't it? Cause it's it's more of like uh, once you, even even after the first day, because you're so eager for any data, you know, like I'll search all the websites and news and watch all the videos on YouTube and stuff and try and get some idea. But usually by day two, some of that's been contradicted. And it's like just, you, you know, as we'll talk about today, the broad three days, you, you can usually come sit back and take some pretty high level, you know, uh, feedback from them. Get an idea of where the teams are maybe not specifically how they are but like you know you can see if things are pointing in the right direction or not
0: yeah it's 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 like practice it's really good for these sort of macro um mm. perspectives you know the season really is about reliability and so you can kind of like if you're a really fast car but you blow up every race then it's you're not going to get that many points um and so that's something that you can again if if you know mclaren we'll talk about didn't have that like they weren't able to get their car out uh for as many laps as everybody else uh due to some reliability factors um and so but it kind of cuts both ways you know we might not see uh reliability issues pop up in three days of testing right uh, they they teams try their hardest to to shake out where the gremlins are but you just never know so um but that won't stop us from making some wild predictions absolutely uh some blind guesses about where uh things stand um rob let's start with yeah yeah let's uh let's start with you what were your kind of takeaways from from testing did you watch much did you read much
2: i read more than i watched it was uh it, it was sort of a busy week that it was landing in in terms of other jobs uh so I was mostly i was envious that people who were getting to watch uh tons of uh t- tons of testing so i was mostly getting the news after the fact and watching uh like end of day recaps on f1 tv but I'll tell you like so the first thing that like kind of stunned me is that uh, cuz this is also like where I really started tuning into I didn't pay too much attention to the car launches. I was really floored that for instance Mercedes stuck with the aero concept from last year substantially mm-hmm. that after all that emotional journey we all went on uh you know as they <laughs> as they were uh, tor- tormented throughout last year uh with with their car and its issues it was really surprising to see they effectively came to the season thinking we can fix it uh, and and maybe maybe they can like there there have been changes to F1 regulations, uh, ride height in particular that maybe bring that back in, but I don't know that that decision was vindicated. By the early results we saw here at testing, uh, you know, they didn't look they didn't look lost. It wasn't as bad as it was last year for them, but it didn't look great either. And so I, I think by by that measure, it's got to be uh, it's got to be disappointing. The thing that surprised the absolute hell out of me was that after the shabby performance we all saw from Aston Martin, I think. You know, on this show and I know in like our community discord, there's a lot there's a lot of consensus that Aston Martin in some ways were the most disappointing F1 program on the grid, uh, (laughs) given resources, expectations and then performance. And this year they appear to have brought the goods. Yeah. And maybe that's a phantom. You know, maybe it's like, you know, we will get into the season and that performance that they showed will disappear but the fact that Aston Martin is not being spoken of as like oh they've they've advanced within the mid pack but are now tipped for maybe fighting for podiums is staggering to me.
1: Yeah,
0: agreed. Danny, how about you?
1: Yeah, Aston Martin was the is the most exciting just to follow up on that point is really really exciting not just because obviously Fernando Alonso's um never ending game of musical chairs might have actually paid off this time around <laughs> it's very um entertaining um it just it it makes it I, I like the idea of if we're looking at mercedes not really fighting with the top two which again everything comes with the big caveat but it kind of looks like you know red bull were very strong ferrari seemed not this similar to last year maybe slightly maybe they've closed that gap a little bit uh to rob's point mercedes um ferrari staying with their um, aero package as well um the ferrari and the mercedes are arguably the two cars that aren't following red bull i guess haas because they take all their parts from ferrari are kind of on the ferrari track as well but all the rest of the cars are using very similar packages to what red bull brought last year and are bringing this year and um, so with mercedes sort of doubling down on theirs and ferrari if mercedes are off the off the the they were kind of in no man's land last year basically like there wasn't really much downward pressure so the idea that aston martin might be putting pressure on mercedes i think that's fun because we've not had like a little fight there for a while we always talk about the mid-pack the mid-pack looks really interesting and you know i think the biggest loser is mclaren obviously we don't have much data from them because of um the issues they had getting the car on track which isn't great but just in general the energy around that and Every, you know, it, it they feel pessimistic. They feel like Williams are at the start of every season. Um, Williams obviously probably at the bottom again this time around, so there's not really much there. But I think it was fun seeing some of the rookies come in and also seeing how some of the other um uh, drivers did. For instance, um, uh, Yuki Tsunoda had a r- really good three days, and there's a lot of eyes on him. Especially if you're watching Drivers to Survive at the moment, and obviously the position that he's in now, having lost his ally in Pierre Gasly, and kind of in the you know put up or shut up phase of his career, um, it's very interesting to see him you know sort of solidify that. Much like Haas and much like Alpha, I think the issue with um, Aston Martin is is how how the how long the the good times last. Right, Haas started off really well last year. But one of the biggest problems is for a lot of these teams, especially teams like Haas, who buy so much of their um, equipment, from they outsource a lot of that sort of stuff, is mid-season development. And obviously that's also where Red Bull completely just disappeared with the championship last year. So that's a big question, obviously, on it as well. Uh, if Mercedes can start this year without having a horrific technical issue that they have to put all their resources into aka the porpoising maybe they have a bit more of a stretch when it comes to mid-season development as a result of that um but yeah it's it it's not a crazy shift this year it doesn't seem but i think there's enough new drivers and in inter-team battles uh to be interesting and also i'm just excited that for the idea of alonso and hamilton fighting for podiums oh
0: man yeah (laughs) I think one of the things that's kind of getting left out from a lot of these headlines is that, like,
1: Alpine is still
0: there. Now, they didn't yeah. uh, set a lot of uh, fast times, frankly, in testing. Um, but to hear them say it, uh, this is a quote from their technical director, Matt Harmon, um, who says, We have a level of confidence. Of course we do, because we're clearly not running the card its full potential.
1: Oh, nice. So they nice. are
0: openly sandbagging. <laughs> we're sandbagging. Uh, and, you can just kind of tell from, like, photos and stuff that, you know, <laughs> Pierre and uh, uh, Esteban just kind of look like, yeah, no, no problem. It's just, just you wait.
1: Yeah. Uh, Isn't that interesting? I think a lot of the talk last year was whether or not they'd butt heads. But there is a real, like, Vive la France kind of mm-hmm. energy over there now, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. Ot- Otmar of their team principal, uh, is saying things like, it's, it's predictable. There's no gremlins. No sappiness. Right. Contrast that with the CEO of McLaren, Zach Brown, uh, straight up saying that we have not hit our aerodynamic efficiency targets, which means the car is uh, draggy. Mm-hmm. It is not sleekly slicing through the air uh, in the way that they wanted. Which seems like a tough thing to. I mean, I'm no aerodynamic specialist, but I think that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but as to your point, Danny, like that might be something that they can turn around. Partway
2: through the season, who knows? I saw something, uh, there was a there was a follow-on piece to this that Autosport published later. I don't have it in front of me, but trying to unpack what's going on at McLaren. And something they allude to is that the McLaren, and this is like quotes from people inside McLaren, saying that the aerodynamics department needs some reinvestment, that it's, it's really not what it needs to be. And I believe they also said they don't have a wind tunnel which doesn't make sense because like i'd be florida mclaren hasn't had a wind tunnel for for ages unless they mean they just don't have a modern one but at the very least it sounds like they during their cost cutting it seems like they may have cut pretty deeply into their aero staff and infrastructure and this might be sort of the the reaping phase of that decision Mm. that they they cut they cut into bone and they're not they they're not able to stand up the kind of aero department that you need to sort of recover those like season to season like losses of performance uh that that they've had. So, you know, it's th- there's a lot of alarming things about this both for McLaren and then I would also say maybe what it says about how the racing program is being run right now. And and maybe it was just that they were Badly resource starved, you know, Zach Brown during uh, the opening stages of the pandemic was very openly concerned about the existential threat that like the lost season and and the impact of COVID could have on teams like McLaren and and others. So maybe it it really was just that dire there, but also it, it does feel like maybe some of the decisions that they made to sort of keep the company on a sound financial footing were maybe they're maybe they were necessary, but but either way, it seems like they have hamstrung the team's ability to take the fight back to uh, you know, parts of the grid that used to be its 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 stomping grounds.
1: Should have just uh, cut you know, 400,000 off the canteen budget, like uh, like some other teams out there. Exactly,
0: exactly. Well, I, I mean, you guys uh, might not
1: have gotten to that episode of Drive to Survive yet. <laughs>
0: uh well they also could have saved on paint perhaps yeah uh and speaking of which let's get to the most important thing from testing how the cars look what I, I, do we are think? you
1: are you throwing that open to me i am i am the weirdest f1 fan in the world i have never cared about how these cars look i'm so well, bad at this well I, I know. This right I know. Now. I know. People like they love the they, they love the 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 styles of the cars, the different eras of the cars. I like that. I like the different eras. I guess a little bit more. But when it comes to the, I don't know. I think since like in the nineties, I think there was a sort of a there was a singular tone of paint, and then you had some big sponsorship stickers on it. Now and now they're so multi-tonal and swifty and they've like a million different tiny stickers that I just
2: I've completely <laughs> checked out um, there there is a sameness to them I will grant you know I think that is that is like the impact of the weight saving strategy so many of them have adopted the we alluded to this on the uh, preseason primer but the fact that these teams are so thirsty for performance gains that they are not painting extensive portions of the of, of the car is kind of disappointing if you do like the livery the pageantry of the liveries uh as it were because you know carbon fiber it, it's sort of naturally a black weave uh yes. that you know that, that it that comes in as and teams are just not painting it because the paint weighs too much and you're not you're not gonna beat red bull with a painted car i guess and my, my, and so yeah. Like, yeah, we do see a lot of two tones where the second tone is black.
1: McLaren, because they have their two tone of the little of the, the orange and teal, they've gone for the you know early aughts action movie poster colors. Um, I think they're the worst offender because they've just pulled back oh. a lot of that color and there's just so much black on it now. it's seems...
0: and the Google Chrome wheels, the Chrome
1: like, logo. Ju- oh, I didn't I, notice that. It's on the I wheels. I could not. Bu-
2: Drew thank you for bringing that oh, up. Wow. It is one of the ugliest. It's like it's so many it's colors. Such a bad logo <laughs> yeah, and they're... it's so awful on that fuselage.
0: It reminds <laughs> me of like when you see an old tiny ad for like, you know, I don't know, a <laughs> you, Dr whatever's Doctor pill snake oil treatment or something yeah. like that yeah and there's like 18 different fonts <laughs> yeah. in the ad yeah. that's what their car feels like to me which is a shame yeah. because in the past it has looked really really cool but I think you can do really well with big chunks of black because I think the Mercedes looks really good it is just yeah. black with that swoosh um, and my personal favorite is uh, the Alfa Romeo I think that is a pretty car
1: yeah I can see, yeah, I can see it. The, the, it almost has like a. I, I want to compare the red of that to the red of the Ferrari because that's a, like a, a. It's a darker one, obviously, but it it looks mm-hmm. very wor- Ferrari in some of these pictures.
2: Yeah, it it definitely does. Like sometimes on the, on the track, especially sometimes I see that red and I'm like, that's just that's just Ferrari red. Yeah. And but I will say I think Ferrari does a good job of masking how much of their car is black because like they're shot from above generally, and so the the black on their on their car gets sort of lost amid the suspension elements element, mm. suspension elements and the shadows, and so it still reads as a Ferrari even though so much of it is just sort of uh, black un, un, unpainted. I uh, you know I like. I kind of miss. I was just thinking, like you know, old time, old timey ads. A, a car I always loved was the uh, B A R Lucky Strike uh, yeah. mm. car with the. And this was when they were starting to ba- uh, ban cigarette advertising in a ton of the markets, so they would write different messages in the Lucky Strike <laughs> logo, uh, which was which was terrific stuff. Not unlike um,
1: Mission Winnow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So I'll say this: what's, what's funny is so Gulf Oil uh, now sponsors Williams, right? And they're the ones who have that iconic uh, teal and papaya like color scheme yeah. that McLaren has now sort of taken as their own. Right. And so all that's left for Gulf Oil with Williams is to just be like a second tone of blue mm. on the Williams chassis. Uh, if, I were, if I were Gulf Oil, I would, feel, I, I would feel very cheated by McLaren. Yeah.
0: Well, I, the, the brand on the Williams that I most enjoy is Duracell. Cause they just went and painted a battery up at the intake at the top. It looks perfect.
1: That's good stuff. I Although think it's hilarious. It, it is a little bit like, but, but, but also formula E exists. <laughs> Maybe you should be <laughs> well, over yeah, there. Also there's that. Um, I like the, uh, the, the, uh, Alpine pink that they're going to run for the first three races. Oh and yeah. of course. That's a good look. That's a good, we are, we're all a force India fans. You know, we're all, we like the pink. I like the there. I like the
2: blue and pink a lot too. I think yeah. I actually think that livery is pretty sensational. Um, I think the Alvatore livery looks like I, I like generally how it looks, but man, that Flexbox sponsorship looks terrible. Mm-hmm. On, like that big old Flexbox logo that doesn't go with anything. No, uh, it's it's kind of an ugly graphic design. It's it's a real mess on a car that otherwise looks, you know, kind of fun. Uh, as I understand it, with that car should really have on it as a big for sale sign but
0: (laughs) uh host to me looks like the fake uh livery that you get in a uh video game yeah that's the yeah the default
1: i'm not i i don't i don't like the liberal application of uh no paint on that one as well i think it looks a little bit it looks I mean, like they've always r- been looks, utilitarian. That's true. It looks less Russian. I mean, it would do. After, <laughs> that's like, true. But it but just remember how Russian it looked last year. Yes. Like, it looked uh, and at the wrong time. <laughs> it looked very Russian <laughs> yeah. at the wrong time. Um, the Red Bull looks identical to last year's, so that's yeah. nice. I, I appreciate there. Hey, look, if it ain't broke, you know, we don't. Same we with didn't Ferrari.
0: Have, I think that's a good looking car.
1: It looks yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, I, I don't mean that in jest either. It does look nice, and obviously they had all that uh cfd or wind tunnel time they weren't allowed to use So they were like ah let's just roll the same car then it's fine
2: well and what a flex now too like see that car over there yeah we painted every square centimeter of it (laughs) did they on the red bull (laughs) it uh, it It does not look like they left too much bare carbon uh, carbon fiber on it like i guess above the floor plate there's there's a fair bit of uh carbon fiber but mostly they've they've stayed with that like navy blue it's,
1: yeah. it's funny because they didn't even need to it's not like the car is white they could have gotten away with blue more <laughs> than most of these teams
0: yeah Aston Martin looks the same too it's fine
1: yeah Yeah. not a fan of McLaren or Haas
0: uh, do we want to do like predictions or did we just kind of just do that I don't How know do we yeah I don't know who, who do we think is going to come in do we think it's going to be like I think it's going to be Red Bull no. yeah we all think red yeah. bull and max like,
1: because y- yeah yeah checo uh, you know I, I don't know i'm
0: not ferrari second
1: Looks barring like some it.
0: catastrophe probably
1: I, th- I think reliability is a big is a big point here because last year's regs were new re- reliability was poor it was poor ferrari and and i seem to re- i might be wrong i seem to remember being poor for carlos signs more than leclerc i'm not Maybe I should be fact I mean, on that
2: uh, one. certainly his burning car rolling down a hill. I think made a mm, strong. Right? Yeah, I remember on that one. We had
1: to stop it with his hands. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting about testing was a lot of people did a lot of laps. Like a lot of the teams yeah. did incredible amounts of laps, like multiple. Like one of the teams did eight races worth in one day or something. It was crazy. Um, so I think that's that bodes well. Like if we can get that out of the way, I think uh, you know hopefully there's a fight there checo is definitely you know once again he's if he isn't up to speed then he'll be in a bit of trouble probably this year and the ferraris are right there with him right like as they were last year but i'm excited about that about who Hamilton Alonso is. And also, I want to see like some of the other guys do good. Like I think it's going to be really cool to see uh, where Hulkenberg and Magnussen sort of end up toe-to-toe, especially if they're not doing so good as a team. Same thing with Sunoda and DeVries. Same thing with uh, Joe and Boggs- I feel, Bottas. I feel good about Haas this year. I don't know why. Maybe it's just hopeful.
2: Uh, well, you're a huge K-Max, Dan, but I it's do true. think yeah. – but that's not necessarily ill placed. Like I was listening to his interview on uh, Beyond the Grid a few weeks ago, and he's very likable in in that interview, and he does just seem like such a steady hand. The the question is do two steady hands add up to a competitive team, right. right? Because it definitely seems like, especially if you watch A Little Drive to Survive, it seems like it was a real priority to have drivers who could at least be relied on not to wreck the car. Yes. That you would have, like, lower operating costs for the guys in the seat. That, and yeah, that, that's that's,
1: a, yeah, that's a tough episode. That is a tough episode to watch. It's,
2: uh, but anyway, I do, but, you know, I mean, I would say like, you know, Magnuson can pull pace out at times. And so like, I think, you know, we saw that in your Lagos. So, so I do think like I, I share that optimism, mm. uh, a, a bit.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how much weight to put into the Aston Martin ascendancy stuff. I, I just right. feel like it, the safer bet is probably with Mercedes, you know, they, they weren't great last year, but that that is a team that learns. So I I think, I don't know. I, I feel like they're probably a pretty solid third. Hey,
1: they used to be the big sandbaggers. You know what I mean? Like it's whenever, true. Whenever we talked about this, the testing, it was always like, you know, Red Bull have closed the gap on Mercedes. And then, you know, 10 laps into <laughs> race one, we're like, oh, I guess they were sandbagging. So... I'd like to see them in the mix, for sure. I would like that, if nothing else, to rattle up Red Bull and, and maybe have a three-way fight yeah. up there. Like, that'd be cool.
0: Fourth place, I have no idea. Aston Martin, Alpine, maybe that's kind of a their own kind of fight, and then yeah. from there, it's kind of a toss-up? I think maybe Haas and Alpha may be close-ish? That,
2: see, fourth begins to feel like Aston actually may have a pretty major advantage there. Like, yeah, that, this, for me, is I read enough... From people who were covering it, who were there, and you just experienced like uh, F1 journalists, and this the sense from a lot of that coverage seemed to be that sometimes you can tell when people are faking a bit of pace; they don't have it fully together. That they might be smuggling some low fuel runs in there to sort of pump themselves up. But like the the takeaway, a lot of people seem to have about Aston was that their pace is fairly real, and. I feel more confident in their pace than I do about Alpine. Mm. Like I think Alpine had a profoundly average testing and yes, they, they they may seem very uh phlegmatic, but at the same time, you know, the stage like I one, I think Omar oh, Safnauer is just that kind of guy, uh to to be very, you know, calm and collected even when things are not going well but i just don't know that we saw the the pace from them.
0: Yeah, and that team has always been really erratic. Uh but it, and in terms of bottom of the field, i mean we we've seen williams there, or um we've seen yeah. williams there a lot. We've seen mclaren there recently, you know, before this this new kind of Zach brown era, they were yeah, remember they were bad yeah. for a long time. Uh alpha Tori, i yeah, i don't really know how to call that one. Um yeah.
1: That's kind of how I feel. That's the thing. And by the time this race is run... I mean, this race as well will be a specific type of race. You know what I mean? Like Bahrain has a certain profile to it. So it won't be the be-all, end-all. But we'll we'll have a much greater idea of the car's performance. The drivers will be a bit different this year because we do have a lot of rookies. And we've like rookies who want rookies. We've championship-winning rookies here. You know, some of these rookies are pretty good. So, um, you know, I, I think the old rookies like sonoda and devries is a very interesting to ta- you know because you've got devries who's full of confidence full of ability and sonoda who has two years of experience now so even if he's probably on paper not as strong a candidate so i think you're gonna i think we're gonna we're gonna wonder a lot more about the drivers than we are about the cars this year well
0: we're gonna learn potentially more about one particular driver Uh, because, um, Lance Stroll, the driver, uh, for Aston Martin, who's paired with Fernando Alonso, uh, suffered an injury in a bicycle accident, uh, that forced him, uh, to sit on the sidelines for the preseason test. And if he is not better, uh, by this weekend, uh, the driver who filled in for him during the test will fill in for him during the race, and that is Felipe Drugovic, mm. the reigning Formula 2 champion. He is Aston Martin's reserve driver. He is 22 years old, and he is from Brazil. Uh, so you might you might see him in the car come Friday, yeah, Saturday, or Sunday.
1: There was a whisper of a returning Sebastian Vettel, which I could not... I could not tell if it was the if it was the the dreams of the world of seeing yes. Vettel Alonso <laughs> partnership for for the opening race of the season um but that has been put to bed it seems like or is not happening um but that would have been that nice guy's done man that
0: guy yeah, he's done doesn't.
2: <laughs> I don't know you, you might have seen preseason testing he's like uh, do you need me is how's Lance <laughs> first of all how's Lance I hope he's great but also if he's not great if he's gonna be out for a few weeks I could just come in uh, I do it's very interesting that that Lance has an accident just after yeah. Fernando joins the team. It was, yeah, it was <laughs> so, so no, fast. Nobody
1: knows how the, he hurt his wrist. There was a, a small German man hiding in a bush with a stick going through the spokes just before it <laughs> happened.
2: Do we have much uh, information about what the injury is? It's a wrist. Uh, They've been
1: weirdly vague about it. Like, I guess they didn't say how it happened. Because wrist it was is ger- scary, right? Wrist is scary, scary for a driver. Yeah,
2: totally. Like,
1: who is it? I guess... Uh, who's our favorite polish um well, Kubica. Yeah, Kubica uh, obviously ended up he ended up stepping in an F1 car again remarkably but he completely shattered his wrist in a in a rallying accident which basically uh, it was
2: more it was like he he effectively got 100% disabled in one arm. Right, that, really, that was yeah. more than a that was a guardrail almost severing the oh, limb. Oh no. Um, yeah, that was yeah, his ra- his rally car uh was sort of bisected by a guardrail I think. Um, but to to but, my knowledge
1: this was during training for the race he was like cycling yeah. doing some sort of exercise and it's it's in his wrist but going off the
0: ramp in his driveway <laughs> exactly he's yeah. got a cinder block and
1: some plywood yeah he's trying to nail that hard flip um but it sounds like it's like they were he was skeptical for this race but they don't think it's going to be so long but i guess who knows
2: yeah
0: Well, mm. we'll see uh rob fill us in on some news stories that we've kind of been following Toward the end of last season and through the off season.
2: Oh gosh. Uh, so, I think one of the first things we probably need to talk about is what's been called like this gag rule or speech ban mm. uh, that was sort of put forth by the FIA uh, as part of their sporting regulations. And this might actually like be a good opportunity.
0: Sorry to interrupt right at the start here, but the so the FIA is the governing body of world motorsport. Um, it stands for something in French, probably like the. Uh, Fédération Internationale
1: F- Automotive, I'm guessing. There
0: you go, hmm. the International Automotive Federation. Um, I'm gonna Google that. That then, you know, and Formula One is a separate entity, but they are part of the FIA. Um, nice job, Danny. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Um, so there the is. The FIA
2: a- governs F1 rules. They don't govern the sport necessarily, like in right. terms of commercial rights or like, but they do like lay down and administer the rules that f1 follows
0: yes please continue
2: and so uh like early this year there was an update put put forth uh to the fia's international sporting code uh, article 12.2.1 n uh that stated that Drivers will be deemed to have committed a breach of the rules if they show, quote, the general making and display of political, religious, and personal statements or comments, notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality promoted by the FIA under its statutes, unless previously proved in writing by the FIA. So, that immediately raised a lot of concerns. Like obviously, there's there are a few drivers who are very outspoken. Uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, has been, and, and and this it seems very aimed at him, right? Like I believe they clarified that one of the things they want to make sure is that uh, through their dress, drivers cannot make a statement. For instance, arrest the uh, cops who killed Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. as as uh, Hamilton was wearing that shirt at a race uh, last year, two years ago. Um, but, but even like among drivers who you would consider less politically engaged, all of, all of them had their hackles raised by this and just generally it seemed to offend their sense of individuality, right? Like, you know, people like a lot of these guys are not necessarily looking to make political statements, but the vibe was kind of like, I'll be damned if you can tell me I can. Because yeah. uh, you don't know, I don't know what I'm going to choose to care about uh, one day. I don't know when I might want to to speak up. And there's been this weird, there's been this weird game being played where the FIA, without walking back the rule, has said that, oh, it's just not going to be, you know, people are misunderstanding it. It's not going to be that bad. And this is where uh, Stefano uh, Domenicali, who's the CEO of F1, uh, he has been out there saying that, Obviously, it's F one doesn't want to gag its drivers. You know, this is th- this is being overstated, uh, and it's not going to be like a a gag rule on drivers. But that didn't really that didn't really mesh with uh, the clarification the FIA offered, uh, like a few uh, like I think last week or last couple weeks, and this is where it gets like sorry to get into a little bit of the weeds here but this this clarification gets weird and i need you to 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 just like ride with me on this let's
1: do it let's get i got the weed killer at. let's go
2: so uh yes uh in addition to not making particular statements during the driver's parade national anthem ceremonies pre- and post-season driver group photographs this is uh autosports gloss on the on the rule uh participants are not permitted to make political religious and or personal statements in violation of the general principle of neutrality during FIA press conferences except in direct response uh, to direct questions from journalists so even in the even in the post race uh, q and a not the not the thing they do on the on, on uh, pit lane but like oh, okay. the driver's press conference after it sounds like unless a journalist like says Jeez, like what do you think of X? you don't talk about X. how was your race i'm glad
0: you asked about ukraine
2: <laughs> right but then uh you know they've said well you know we will let people make political statements if they ask permission first oh but the God. part that is wildest to me was that also uh enforcement for this goes to the stewards Like, adjudicating whether a breach of this rule happened. This is in the rule. F1 race stewards will determine if a rule breach has occurred on a case-by-case basis. Ah, yes, the F1 stewards. The most consistent (laughs) and, like, well-read and, like, unified body in sports. Like, the notion that F1 would take this rule and then hand it to the stewards to enforce is preposterous and now in addition to like figuring out what's a what's a legitimate pass what's a double move they're also going to be asked Did this seem political to you did that seem like political (laughs) speech and so this obviously didn't go over well uh drivers actually got more forceful in the wake of that about like they're just not they're just not into into this rule. They don't think it's right. This is this is a pretty widely shared like uh, Valtteri has said this Atlanta Norris or Stopping like nobody likes it. Christian Horner has been out there uh, also saying it, it doesn't seem like a, a, a wise rule in the background of all this. This is all being pushed by F.I. President uh, Ben Salim. Who it was the new FIA president around the time of Abu Dhabi 2021 uh and he this this rule sort of comes like from if not him certainly his sort of stewardship of of the FIA he's the, where, where he's had and I would also frame that as like f1 is going into
0: a lot more countries these days well a lot more countries in general and as it does so a lot of those countries have some restrictions on free speech
2: mmm and it has a lot of sponsors who may all, like it's it's a yeah, it's a it's a sport that increasingly relies on the patronage of uh, like authoritarian or at least non-democratic governments and is underwritten by like oil money, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so but anyway, Ben Slam, uh in the middle of all this announced that according to the plan that he'd always had, <laughs> he was stepping back. From day to day F1 operations and would appoint someone else to oversee F1. But in the meantime, uh, Nick Tambazis, uh, who is the long standing, long tenured FIA head of single seat racing, will be sort of minding the F1 shop. But this correlated with people digging up, I guess, he had an old blog. Uh oh. And back in 2001, he did write some cool
1: stuff. That he, he had it, some people cool were like, opinions this guy's cool. in 2001. Yeah, uh, one of so them was he life, did not
2: life. like women who think they are smarter than men, for they are not in truth.
1: Yikes! All, all, all women to all men.
2: That's a that's, that's a, a bold it's a claim, pretty it's a pretty blanket <laughs> statement. It's pretty sweeping. I, I would say I feel like you you haven't known enough men or women uh, in in that case. But you know it's it's dumb shit he was saying. 20 years ago sure. was this guy sure. by the way is he, was he like 16 when you wrote that or is it not that the, you know, I I'm don't just... think he was that young unfortunately <laughs> oh, I, I think like this was a <laughs> like I do agree like obviously what a blog know, people, in 2001 people said a lot of wild stuff maybe he was reading Maddox and it was just yeah. like I need to tee <laughs> off too but he had a bad day. The, so you
1: needed to let off some steam you know what I mean
2: and it's just in, it's just you know in in the backdrop of this in in the backdrop of the speech ban, uh, where because so much of this also centers on let's be let's be real. He was like, 40. one of the things a lot of okay. He pardon? was
1: forty then. Yeah, my man was blogging at forty in two thousand and one. <laughs> all right.
2: Hey, though he looks good these days though. I didn't realize he was like he's like 60. It's he's all the adrenochrome. Sixty year old man. Yeah, uh, but to have this like let's be real about i think one of the things that a lot of drivers did sort of center that i think may have gotten under the skin of uh or some of the people like he answers to as they started racing more in countries like qatar Mm. saudi arabia uh, bahrain you saw a lot of drivers particularly seb wearing lgbt uh colors flags rainbow helmets And these are countries that are particularly repressive uh, with regards to, like, queer identity Mm. and women. And so, like, to have him firing off a blog like that 20 years ago when he's the head of the FIA, which is a world motorsports body, like, it does seem like he is, he's lost a lot of credibility. I think and a lot of capital within motorsports right now and i and i do kind of wonder if him stepping back from day-to-day one day-to-day f1 operations is also kind of code for we are finding a backdoor to get him out of Uh, because this seems like a this seems like it is turning into a uniquely unsuccessful tenure
1: it's just uh, there's something about the word like the idea that you are like they're they're just using word salads to be like stop complaining about all the stuff that we don't like you complaining about because they don't. Well, give and a it's shit also about, they're tone like, the
0: line right. They can't say like, well, oh, you know what, never mind, and because then all the all the promoters in the countries that you know the F one is in are going to get mad, right? But now that they have this rule, they can point point to and say, "Hey, we we
1: told them." It's um, wild, and the idea that you can so tell weird. like professional athletes who are paid the money that these people are paid and are the best in the world at what they do. No, like, even if they don't have political, like, you know, there's plenty of the the grids who are fairly, you know, politically inert, let's say, you know, when it comes to that, a lot of things. That's the thing. But, but even the fact that, like, imagine being that good at, like, being at that stage of their, like, ability and career, and then somebody saying you can't, like... You can't like say things. Be like, fuck you! I can't say things. I'm yeah. one of the best at what I do in the world. Who are you, pen pushing weirdo? Like, fuck no! Like that's like it just seems like they th- there was probably a smart strategic way of doing this.
2: And the smart goal was to do nothing. Like, yeah, that's 100. yes thing, is like we saw how shambolic the races one initiative was. Yeah, this is a group of guys who cannot like get together on taking a knee for anything before a race like it was it is so clear that like your average f1 driver just doesn't care about social issues that way or at least a lot of these social issues that i think are more like cause celebrate on on the left for instance and that's fine and that's that was the status quo and i think we all sort of like internalized that like like much of the world a lot of the f one grid really does not share uh some of the political like views and biases of uh, like people like us and people in our yeah, and, you know people in our sphere and, I would but, like
1: them to be to, I would like I yes. always like when people mirror the same political views that I have but like I'm also like realistic in the idea that like I don't think these like these children who were bred from fucking test tubes to be F one drivers their whole lives and have dedicated themselves to this like insanely specific skill are going to be the most well rounded people when it comes to like, like watching issues. Daniel
2: Ricardo at try to answer a question about a social issue. Right, is like watching a drunk man cross an icy street. It's one of the most excruciating things I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's like, honey badger, we don't need you to talk about. It. Let me tell you this: the cause, whatever it may be, does not need. You to speak up, yeah, or add your voice. I, I think to the it's chorus. very like demonstrative
1: that like Sebastian Vettel sort of has come to a lot of this as he has grown older and had a family and has like started to have hobbies. <laughs> like the yeah. idea of these people having hobbies is a novel a concept that they do in their thirties. So like <laughs> I'm not. So you're right. Like to me, I I think like in a way this has probably unified a lot of these drivers into. Saying, like, no, yes. I should be able to say whatever I want in a
2: way that, like, they didn't really. Because I think Hamilton and Seb frequently were, like, kind of out on a limb that way. by themselves. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, you had Russell trying to show, like, I, may, Russell, I think may, you may be sincere, but certainly Russell was also, like, I will Lando. back Lewis on everything. You no, know, yeah. I feel
1: like he's fairly but, tuned into stuff, you know?
2: I do, th- yes, this this feels like an own goal the, to mute the small amount of speech that was bothering the f i a mm. and its patrons they have turned this into a much bigger issue. I guess the counter would be a rule like this isn't aimed really at it is caused by lewis hamilton sebastian uh Sebastian vettel. It is aimed at the next generation right it yeah. is aimed mm. at if you can like train everyone into the habit of just shutting up about politics from the time they're in feeder series to when they're like on the bubble, like, am I gonna be able to stay in F1? And every, the margins are everything. You know, if you're if you're in the position of like a Logan Sargent or something, the difference is between you having a seat and not is that at one point you said, you know, I think gay people should have rights everywhere around the world. And that like could cost you a, that could cost you a racing seat. Then that's going like, then a lot of these drivers will learn will learn the habit of shutting up, and I think that's what this rule is aimed at. Mm. I just don't know that this was actually, I don't know that that aim was worth the trouble they're causing themselves.
0: Well, speaking of racing seats, Rob, what is the next story? Oh man.
2: So uh, as we as we all know, uh, Andretti Autosport has been thirsting after an F one <laughs> team for years. And they, uh, they sort of announced, uh, like, in the past few months that they had a new partner. They were working with, with, with Cadillac. They were, going to, they were going to create a new F1 entry. They were going to have manufacture backing, et cetera. And they had tried to win some support from when, within the F1 paddock. And the response has been uh, more than frosty. The entire thing both like and- like michael Andretti's way about way of going about this business and sort of the way he's engaged with the teams has rankled a lot of people in f one but fundamentally this comes down to the fact that f one as a whole there's there's a few pressures f one as a whole uh is worth a lot more than it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Because it is a much more popular global sport, TV rights are you know expected to you know bring in more and more. The prize pool does not increase with the number of teams that are involved. It is a set percentage of like F one's revenues. So if it goes from ten teams to eleven teams, that prize pool is diluted. There's not more money. It does not mean more money for everyone. It means that a it means a smaller split for everybody. Baked into like f1 rules was an anti-dilution fee of 200 million dollars to prove it like anyone coming in with a new entry would have to pay 200 million to the other teams and that was effectively to cover at least or at least defray the loss of that annual revenue from the prize money split as well as compensate for the dilution of the value of your F1 team Mm -hmm. now that, you know, there would be 11 instead of 10. And now the argument from a lot of the teams is, you know, sports worth more. 200000000 million doesn't come close to compensating uh, the loss of value we'd experience if there were another team. And furthermore, we just don't think we need uh, more teams. We think everything is, like... Everyone is doing great. Uh, There aren't no weak teams anymore. Everyone's making enough money to field a credible entrant in F1. Yeah, you're shaking your head, and so am I, right? Like, that's that's crap. We (laughs) know this is a highly stratified sport. It's not like we're washing, like, serious, great competitors. But that's been the argument. But as this thing sort of turns forward, there is a movement to get... uh, to increase the anti dilution fee to six hundred million dollars, that's three times as much yes, <laughs> and the implications seem like part of this is that the the it i believe that may have been the money that uh Sauber just went for it is but it, oh, when is they sold to the a Sauber, they're saying, set the market. Okay, so this is we now have a the teams now say we now have a figure for the value of an F one team, and effectively, what that would mean is he could either pay a six hundred million dollar fee, or he could buy a team, Team. which at this point would be cheaper. Hmm. And this is where it begins. Like I begin like. Obviously, this is, like, very cartel behavior. It's a small, like, oligopolistic market. You know, like, everyone's protecting their seat. But, like, think about this. They want to raise the anti-dilution fee so that any new money coming into the sport actually is sort of behooved to make any team that might be interested in selling to make them an offer rather than just create a new team. So, for instance, if you're... Uh, the Modish's family, if you're Red Bull, thinking about divesting yourself of Alpha Tori, which apparently they're thinking about doing. Right. Suddenly, Andretti has a much better option rather than starting his own new entry just by the entire organization with all its Well, yeah, because it's not stuff.
0: only going to be the anti-dilution fee that he is spending money on. It's going to be spinning up a Formula One team. Yeah. Like that's, yep. you, you pay $200 million, that gets you to zero. That gets you in yep. and then you got to do everything else so you can just buy a team for I mean, I mean you' being forced to
2: buy a team you didn't want to right it's like it is artificially inflating the cost of entry to protect the value of existing teams yeah so that's that's the part of that that really that really kind of rankles with me right yeah. like you're sitting there thinking I can start a good f1 program from from scratch, but because of this huge hurdle, you basically are forced to deal with in a lot of cases, like, you know, let's be honest, like some sort of backmarker. Well, not that Alva Tori is, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You are you are kind of forced to buy... Your best option is to buy a lesser team uh, for a wild amount of money because it is just so artificially expensive to get in the sport in the first place.
0: So where is this? This is not in stone yet. This is just a proposal? No. Or this is just what every, all the other teams want?
2: Yes, but this is where... This is where I, like, my understanding of this runs out because the implication seems to be that even though some of this is codified and, like, written down, like, the $200 million anti-dilution fee, et cetera, the implication with a lot of this seems to be that if um, F1 or, or, or FOM and the teams all agree to sort of, like, just kind of rewrite these rules, then they can just be rewritten.
0: Well, there's a time to do it, right? It's the Concord Agreement. And that is up, I think, after 2025. And so if Andretti doesn't get in before that, he is subject to whatever those new, uh, that new agreement says. So right now, if he could get in before 2025, he only has to pay the $200 million. But if the next Concord Agreement rolls around and the $600 million figure gets in there, then, well, things are different. But they they can. But that's not. It's that's not necessarily going to be in the next Concord agreement. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They
1: they can also like block this as well. They have other Like they have to sign off on it, basically, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the thing. Like it. It seems like there's limits to how much they can block it. Like I think they would need F1 to also like hold their hand Mm. and jump to to block the deal. But Domenicali has at least publicly said he will sort of respect the sentiment of the teams. So, like, this has become a really kind of ugly process. Um, it's Business like... Business often you know,
1: is, right? This is like...
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of shocking, though. It, it has turned... Uh, what should be a good thing for the sport, probably, right? Like, lots of people being interested to get in. And it yeah. has turned it very much into a lot of rent seeking i would say from a sport that formerly would have been thrilled to have new new interests yeah if this had uh, happened like
1: up. 15 years ago or yeah if there were, at a time where there was multiple teams heading towards bankruptcy and there was a real worry that we wouldn't have 20 cars on a grid like back in yeah you know mid aughts or whatever i can definitely see but yeah like it's kind of to be expected in a way during a boom time right so that they're going to they're going to try and squeeze that stone as,
2: as much as they can. Especially. I found a money paragraph. Uh, this <laughs> is in the Autosport piece on this. The existing teams want, also want to change the 2025 fee as agreed in the current Concord, despite the entry bid process having already got underway a procedure for such a change exists and the 10 current teams and the organization would have to agree unanimously to increase the fee. Okay. Hmm. After months of debate, it seems it appears that such a move is close to happening. Which wow, makes that sense. That would be
1: big and right. that would be quite an upset. And it would it would make sense for the high teams because it stops it creates a barrier to entry and it would make a sense for the teams at the bottom who who wants cuz like if if you are one of the 10 teams and then suddenly you're able to like be in a position where you might be bought out, like that in and of itself could increase the the cost of your team on the market. Like you are more valuable at that stage, Um especially if it's like a no brainer, because like you acquire a team, you can leverage against the team you just bought for funds as well. You can't do that if you just pay a bill. Although I wonder how that how that would work as well. Do you end up like yeah, like spending? 600 million in one go or do you do it over the course of 20 years who knows who knows we're no accountants or economists here well it's drama all the
0: way down including at ferrari rob
2: yeah uh just a quick hit here uh so freder freder when he came in did the usual thing of i'm just coming up to speed at ferrari not making taking any action yet i'm just seeing how things work here i don't want to assign blame for anything that happened last year (laughs) uh cut to a couple weeks later he's apparently seen enough uh ferrari uh has moved its uh strategy chief uh to uh inaki Roeda to a factory role uh he is so he is out as their as their strategy guy is he the guy it, with the curly hair and the glasses that's a great question you know uh, yeah, if you yeah, watch, no yeah, now
1: yes if you watch drive I know, to survive watching
2: drive no uh, no it is not it's not it is not. Because that guy
1: seems sure. To... He,
2: ga- he gave off panic vibes in Drive to Survive. <laughs> There's a guy on the pit wall that yeah. you're like, that things do not seem to be going well. But yeah, it's not him. That guy, okay, it's not him. All right. He dodged a the bullet. There you go. Uh, and last
0: bit here, Danny, what's up with the F1 Academy?
1: Yes, the F1 Academy, if you need a reminder, is the uh, sort of feeder series that they have started up uh, in a way to uh, promote uh, women drivers within the sport uh, of open wheel racing, similar to, you know, W Series, which we've covered a lot over the years. Um, this one, though, is being run by F1, and they're going to have seven races on F1 weekends, and they have announced where those uh, F1 those F1 Academy races are going to be in 2023. They are going to be in round one, the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Round two, Valencia, Spain. Round three, so I guess not all of them in F1 races. Uh, round three, Circuit yeah, correction, it's, it's
0: F1 tracks. Only one of them is at an F1 race weekend. The last. Oh, one. is
1: that the Coda one, the final? Yeah, yeah, killer. Okay, uh, spoilers. Uh, so Barcelona for round three, uh, Zandvoort for round four, Monza for round five. Uh, everyone's favorite, Paul Ricard for N6. <laughs> Squeezed in there somehow. And uh, yes, to Drew's point, Circuit of the Americas will be the final uh, on the twentieth, uh, 22nd of October for their seventh round. They have also announced the first uh, driver. Uh, ART um, has announced the 25-year-old Swiss racer, racer Lena Buhler. Um, I believe what's happening is that there are uh, t- t- five teams with three There's- cars each.
0: Right, and there, I think... They're all Formula 2 teams. It's like ART, yes, Carlin. IT. Right. It's like all your Formula 2 favorites. They're all familiar names, yes. Our fielding teams, yeah. Yeah, so look forward to That's that. That's
1: awesome. When does it kick off? Oh, when was the first one? Sorry, I just dropped it off. April, a ago. I think. The A1 ring one. It has gone from my screen.
0: All right, well, I'll pull that up. Uh, you get to Bahrain, Danny. I will. Tell it's on the
1: 28th it. of April. 29th Great. of April. But, yes, we are going to Bahrain, which, speaking of all of these racetracks expanding into the Middle East, this was the first one back in 2004. I remember when it was new. It is terrifying to think that it has almost been 20 years since we first started racing in Bahrain. But uh, that's that's it. Um, uh, people may remember, though, that the first 10 races in Bahrain, or rather the first nine races, were day races. Um before it turned into a night race. And night races didn't exist until 2008 with Singapore uh, starting that trend, which we have now seen expanded into multiple uh, circuits. Uh, But for the most part, uh, Bahrain has been a a decent track, actually, um, whether it was day or night. It's gone through some changes. Those changes now seem like ancient history, but in my head I still remember the old arena section in sector two Uh, it's been shortened somewhat it's 57 laps 5.4 kilometers or 3.4 miles and the three sectors i won't do a full breakdown of this track as we've sort of learned that the audio version of that is not particularly effective but if you want to imagine in your head that the three sectors of this one are fairly easy to understand the first sector of it is a very high speed uh, sort of mid gear cornering uh, uh I, there's two straightaways and a couple of high speed turns uh, the second is the sort of inner complex of the track much more interesting corners uh, low speed turns turn 10 before the second drs straight is very or the third sorry drs straight is very interesting actually i think that's technically the second drs straight because the star finish straight would be number three um uh, before that is a little kind of a crazy little off camber corkscrew, and then the third is basically two turns. It's like flat out um, until you hit back. They really just took finishing.
2: a triangle, lopped off the top, totally. and dangled a little racing circuit from the, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, from from what used to be the top.
1: What, so, like yes, like no other tilka drums. This one looks like it was built on an airfield, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like That's the, true, yeah. The Three sort of, big straights. Exactly. The triangular Four, nature of those, yeah. it's very Silverstone-esque kind of, um, but it's just a lot more compact. It's not that long and it folds in on itself. Yeah, it's uh, it's always an interesting uh, track on the weekend because uh, you know the 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 first and second or first and third practices and qualifying happen or rather first and third practice happen at weird times of the the day that are not demonstrative of the track itself. So second practice and qualifying. Uh, because they take place later in the night, are um, more so that way. Uh, one uh, environmental thing to be wary of here is the wind. Uh, some years it plays very little part, some play- years it plays a lot of a part. Um, this is the second year of these regs, so they've probably dialed in their aero a bit, and I th- also believe that ground effect cars don't necessarily feel uh, so much of the ill effects of these crosswinds um, as the previous generation of cars did.
2: Uh- well, K-Mag came. I will just say this: K-Mag came out of uh, testing, saying that actually, with the slight tweaks they made, it actually, they now feel pretty sensitive. to Oh, them. really? That was just him. He's the only one who said that. But he felt the car was f- fluttery in a way they were not last year.
1: That'll be interesting then when they when they get get to the, the the yeah. If they we've we've had it before where it's the thing about wind is it's hard to tell on on the broadcast. Like sometimes they'll point at a flag but for the most part you won't notice it until they start talking about it on team radio and of course like a lot of rain like a lot of weather sometimes it affects one part of the track more than the other
0: well speaking of wind i have the weather forecast here on qualifying day it's going to be a balmy uh 73 degrees uh for qualifying or uh 23 celsius for you celsius heads out there zero percent precipitation across the entire weekend uh but wind it's looking like 8 miles an hour out of the east to southeast. Uh, That's 13 kilometers an hour on qualifying day and 11 kilometers an hour or 7 miles an hour on race day. Temperature uh, a little higher on race day, 75 degrees Fahrenheit or 24 Celsius. Always to the east. (laughs) Uh, That is Bahrain. We usually go over the driver standings here, but they're all tied at zero right now. Uh, same with our fantasy standings. Yes, we do have a fantasy league. And yes, Formula One does do fantasy sports. Uh, the link in the show notes and the invite code in the show notes will um, let you join that. We've got plenty of messages about that. Thank you, everyone. Uh, but I, re- I really did sign up within 24 hours of it opening up. So I uh, <laughs> did my very best. You can also send us an email at shift one podcast at gmail.com F1- or go to f1.cool slash emails. We have a grip of them here. Uh, let's go through the first three pretty quickly. Oh, by the way, speaking of emails, I would love, to, now that we're on YouTube and you can see our faces, before, if you have never seen our faces before, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. If you've never seen our faces before, please email us in what you think we look like. And then <laughs> you can go look at YouTube because uh, I'm just very curious about that. We, we would get those uh, occasionally uh, at Giant Bomb, or I think we've gotten a couple of them on Right, uh, maybe on this podcast before. but It's been a while since really
1: we fun. also had Oh, One of You is a Meme as well. Right. So <laughs> right. Guess yes. which one it is. Guess which <laughs> meme. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Let's kick things off with, uh, I believe this is pronounced Lassa, uh, who says, in the preseason primary, you talked about how Lewis Hamilton is the only black driver ever in F1, and everybody on the web seems to agree, but what about Pascal Verlein? Pascal has a German father and a Mauritian mother. Does that not count? Lewis is mixed race. Same as Pascal. Wikipedia's entry on Pascal Verlaine says he is one of only two black drivers to compete in Formula One, the other being Lewis Hamilton. I don't get why my boy Pascal is forgotten. <laughs> Thanks. Keep up the good work. Yes, that is my bad. I think what happens is um, it gets conflated in my head that Lewis was the first. And there had been no black drivers ever. Um but yes, you are absolutely right. Uh Pascal Verline raced for two seasons uh in Formula One. Uh I believe he got as high as eighteenth in the drivers' championship. Um he's now in Formula E and apparently doing quite well. So thank you, Lassa. Thank you for Lassa. Thank you for uh pointing that out. I've, if you go I mean, back
1: and watch the replay of that, you'll see me looking at, at the camera and then deciding not to interrupt because the podcast was going to be three hours long and i was like you know well, what no one will mention pascal Verline.
2: <laughs> and i'll just say this like, i don't think like i don't think a lot of us saw too much of him during his time in f1 no he was yeah
1: unfortunately like, yeah. He was. you know he was,
2: it was yeah. one of those it was kind of a name on the grid for for a lot of times he's I didn't done well he since like until i feel like yeah i didn't yeah. like you know he showed up as a porsche driver and i was like oh that's pascal yeah uh but yeah I, I do think uh that you know that 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 uh milestone tends to get overlooked a little bit uh just cuz his f1 career was was a little bit um pedestrian yeah and willie t ribs did some testing
1: is that right yeah but yeah but, but that's never. as far as he yeah. got
2: yeah yeah uh so uh Next justice 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 uh, i think hey shifties. What is a wheelbrow, and why is everyone talking about it all of a sudden? So, the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... F1 cars are open open wheel. That's that's that. This class of car is called open wheel. But on a street car, we are used to thing uh, the, the idea of a wheel well. The car the the tire sits inside uh, sort of a a compartment left in in the in the chassis, and the you know it's covered by the the body of the car. That isn't the case in an open wheel car. But as part of, I think it's predominantly there. It's just a another thing to try and. Uh, My assumption has always been that it's primarily there, partly as a safety measure, uh, as you know, like regarding like like debris uh, flying up and and such. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's I think it's aerodynamic.
0: Yeah, I think it's to control the the really turbulent wake that comes off of the tire. Because I think uh, Mm. if if you were if you were uh, if you're an aerodynamicist, you love uh, the the tire is really what screws you up Uh, because it's the spinning thing and it's this big just like unchanging block that moves through the air and you can't do anything with it and so part of the new regulations was kind of corralling that air uh, through the car and so they had to come up with these fairings um, that just kind of drape over the wheel they don't touch it but they just kind of crest it Mm. and we hadn't really come up with a name that stuck until
1: now shall I do the next one? yes Danny Adam from Winnipeg says, Hello Shifteronies Renos. Sorry, hello Shifter Renos. god forbid I got that. I wrong. like Shifteroni. Yeah, they're, they're both sounds we, tasty we'll, we'll answer to both of them. Um the I San Francisco
0: and Nevada treat.
1: Exactly. Uh, I think it's high time that Bahrain had some corner names. It's been almost 20 years since its debut and has delivered some beautiful races. To get started, would each of you pick a corner, name it, and give a brief? Why? To get the ball rolling and snatch the low-hanging fruit, I hereby name Turn 3 Grosjean's Conflagation, or Grosjean's Rebirth can't decide between the two here is to another year of watching rich people spend obscene amounts of money and that's adam from winnipeg um that's a good one. turn three of course where he had the uh the crash i feel like you need to stick phoenix, phoenix. corner exactly yeah you can't, you can't yeah phoenix works better there and um, does anyone have one right off the bat i think
0: uh i think turn six you could call it the baby bump because it just looks like you're going along and then whoop and there's it a, looks that elevation exactly elevation change. Like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh I've always sort of felt like nine and ten have always felt to me like a like you're draw, like you're driving around the edge of a sword blade. Like Ooh. so g- given the setting I might call it like the scimitar or yes. something. Oh, that's but good. because like, yeah. you you come in and like nine is a fast corner, but you start narrowing fast into this really tight ten that you have to do like really extensive trail breaking to make the corner and for some reason i guess cuz these f1 drivers are pretty good they do it all the time they don't have a lot of incidents here me playing any sim with this with this with this track i'm like how do i like i am either losing a ton of time in sector 2 and the little robo engineer is like mm, you're losing a lot of time in sector 2 and i'm like yeah i know I'm i know a lot of traction or i'm flying off two. the track yeah, exactly
1: yeah. yeah, that's way scimitar's really good. I was gonna I was gonna call it like the baby corkscrew because it's kinda like a like a tiny version of the Laguna Seca. Um uh but it doesn't have enough uh, height change. I think what I'd like to call is turn twelve, going up to thirty because it's such a hill, that whole thing is just like straight up. It reminds me of the um uh the the Bears in the Night up Spook Hill, which is something I remember my dad oh. telling me when I was a kid. And I've since uh, told that story to my daughter many times. Um, uh, from that famous book. So Spook Hill, I think I like to call it, 12.
0: Nice. All right. Uh, next one here is a little long, but I think it's a perfect op- opportunity to dive into it at the first race of the season here. Adrian, a.k.a. at Sawaba, writes in. <clears throat> Hi, Speedy Race Car Podcasters and Chest of Drawers enthusiasts. I've updated my growing F1 Google spreadsheet, which is open for anyone to view and explore. I will put that in the show notes, uh, with the latest sponsor data for 2023. Terrific. Like you guys, I'm curious about how many crypto sponsors have gone full rich energy and what kind of sponsors are replacing them. Anyway, here's what I found. Number one, controversial categories didn't change. Oil and tobacco sponsors stayed mostly the same, though Orland jumped from Ooh. Alpha Romeo to Alpha Tauri and Gulf moved from McLaren to Williams. No longer. Number loyalty. two, crypt- no loyalty. crypto sponsorships dropped from 16 to 11 in number many crypto exchanges are gone but replaced with nft markets e.g haas is now sponsored by OpenSea. uh number three gambling stayed the same at four it's
1: recession proof
0: gambling sure is uh number four in 2024 only one team didn't have a food and beverage sponsor alpine now six teams are without a food and beverage sponsor including all of latifi's sponsors mm. uh number five the only big change in the sponsor category was alcoholic beverage beverages seven to ten uh which were all u.s sponsors Michelob ultra
1: whistle pig and jack daniels what's whistle pig it's a uh, rye rye okay right. bad. it sounds bourbony, so okay it's a rye. bourbon and rye yep. yeah is Michelob? I don't think I've ever had that. Is that just like Michelob? Michelob? Is that like a fake fancy beer, but that's actually just like a trash beer? No, barber? you
2: know, you know, Michelob. It's the celebrate good time. That's that was their ad campaign back in the eighties. Yeah, so that, uh, I definitely a, know
1: that, having been in America in the eighties. <laughs> uh, that's that's for,
0: true. I
2: sort of figured it would have penetrated uh, across markets because it was such an iconic. Of it's States. a
0: low carb beer, so they pitch it to like oh. So Weekend like warrior like athlete Miller types, types. kind of like Mitchell, you. Mitchell. You like to wake up at five a.m. and ride your bike fifty miles, enjoy a Michelob Ultra. Okay.
2: yeah. So they used to, they used to market themselves more as like it was the swanky beer, even though it was like high life grade. And Which so is also this, that was their old...
1: Artois is in Europe, whereas yes. over here, Stella Artois, is, I feel like sold as a legit fancy beer. Yes, I was, floored. I
2: was floored when I was like in Europe and people were just like, yeah, I guess Estella or whatever it's just <laughs> our go-to. <laughs> yeah. It's swell. Uh, but yeah. Uh, some
0: fun insights. The team with the most sketchy sponsors, Alpha Romeo. Alpha has three crypto sponsors, one less than last year. And their primary sponsor Kick is shrouded in mystery. Oh, here we go. It looks like it's a streaming platform someone set up as a weekend project and the rumor is that it's connected to Stake, a cryptocurrency gambling service. Oh, look at that. Stake is also on Alpha Romeo sponsor Rich Energy Part 2. Wow, Kick uh, is like a two.
1: Twitch, f- it's like a tw- it's like Twitch. Oh boy. But nobody's watching anyone. <laughs>
0: Uh, number two on Fun Insights, Red Bull loves to create unique sponsorship levels for its partners. My favorite is the official financial education partner, which <laughs> is Cash App. A tiny bit of irony here, as the only team with a financial education partner here is the only one that went over the cost that cap. That is very Hey-o. funny. Very good. good, Adrian. It's good. Uh, and uh, finally, <laughs> sponsor headquarters that remind you to get the funding in advance, Malta, two sponsors, Isle of Yo. Man. <laughs> two sponsors cayman <laughs> islands
1: and the seychelles nice room room it's weird they've, they've, it's weird it's so much money in those places what's going on there that is weird danny i'm
2: amazed cyprus doesn't make that list or is cyprus now too legitimate a money laundering location <laughs> yeah. uh to to be sketchy gotta get that russian oh, money
1: out of russia somehow
2: yeah yeah cool well uh, that's One of
0: my favorite parts of Formula 1 is weird sponsors and weird money. So thank you, Adrian. So wait,
2: that's a great email. Also, is that negative 23% for Williams? Is that all Latifi's food sponsorships just going out the window? It must be.
1: Oh, surely. Yeah. Oh, wow. What were his food sponsorships? Like maple syrup? Or-
2: <laughs> no, so this is like... <laughs> Poutine. This is the part that always kind of threw me off. Latifi is connected to like family a major like, food company. Yeah, that is like, like Invent scale, TV dinners right? or
1: something like that. That's Tucker Carlson, isn't it?
2: Hungry man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tucker Carlson's Purdue, uh Purdue chicken okay.
1: Guy. Maybe Canadian Superstore. Maybe that's Latifi's. Oh, maybe you, you guys chain Google
2: of,
0: while, it, uh, I'm can Google while I'm... Is that what it's called? Sorry. Doing this next part. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, <laughs> Mastodon, and YouTube. Click the links in the show notes. Also on Twitter, I am at Drew Scanlon. I'm also on Mastodon. Danny, you are at Danny O'Dwyer. Rob Zackney is at Rob Zachney. That's Mastodon, us around the Mastodon's internet. Mastodon's a
1: great band. Love them. <laughs> 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 Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's race around the world. Hey, hey, hey. Mm, yeah.
0: All right. Well, it pains me to say it. <gasps> but the NASCAR Craftsman
2: Truck Series is back. Oh. I hate it. I hate it. I don't it. know Craftsman Trucks has a nice ring to it. Craftsman, Crashman? Craftsman, Craftsman, Craftsman. Trucks. Oh, they're like whittled from a huge oak.
0: That's right. I'm going to have to workshop uh, my
1: my jingle. I yeah, think you're um, almost there. You could um, go for a different one. Like, what is it? What craftsmanship? NAS- NASCAR, NASCAR craftsman drugs. drugs. Yeah. yeah something I, I, okay. I All right. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, we're starting the show with a showstopper here. We've got the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 presented by Westgate Resorts. At Las Vegas Motor Speedway.
1: What do we think are the trucks? Victoria's Voice, I'm assuming, is a foundation of some description. It definitely is. I will not be making jokes about that. Continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, the World <laughs> Superbike
0: Championship uh, kicks things off there. Race one is in Mandalika International Circuit in Indonesia. Ooh, nice. Uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be supporting Formula 1 this weekend in Bahrain. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, which is like Formula 2, but NASCAR, (laughs) uh, is racing at also the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the ALSCO Uniforms 300. Mm. Um, IndyCar, uh, I believe, kicks off their series, their season this year at St. Pete, the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, phew.
1: It's like, they're in Russia as well. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, the Indy does not care about anything. And finally, we got an SQR. Oh my,
0: where are we going, Drew? Oh yeah, we already had... Vegas. We already had the Daytona 500. The, those hallowed grounds have been... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> raced on. Cristened. Yeah, raced on. Uh, but uh, we're also in the other hallowed grounds, Las Vegas. <laughs> For the Pennzoil Four Hundred, presented by Jiffy Lube. Oh, lube up, lube up, and go to Vegas. <laughs> that's
1: what they say. That's, that's what the tourism Vegas motto. Yeah. The, that's the exactly, yeah. The hallowed ground, <clears> hallowed <throat> grounds, because of all the all the people buried in that desert. You know what I mean? Wow. Okay. I've that. seen uh. the casino. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: formula one maybe you've heard of it it's also kicking off this weekend starting on friday at 6 30 a.m eastern time on espn 2 followed by free practice 2 at 10 a.m eastern also espn 2 saturday free practice 3 is at 6 30 a.m on espn 2 and qualifying uh 10 a.m also on espn 2 but the race everyone sunday at 10 a.m eastern on espn european sports network that's 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 what it stands for uh and that's what's happening this weekend but you know what's happening today what's happening danny's about to tell you
1: Well, what what happened today today. in the past? My wife got me this great Formula One on this day book, which I'm going to read out at the end of each podcast to let you know some beautiful historical facts about Formula One. This podcast is going up on Wednesday, March 1st. So let's go back to March 1st and read what happened in the past. Two British world champions got their seasons off to the best possible start on this day. First, Jackie Stewart in 1969, who took victory in the South African Grand Prix at Kayamali, Kayalami. Kaya he took, yeah. Calami. He took the lead at the end of the first lap from Jack Brabham and stayed there until the checkered flag to win, sorry, first lap, to win the first race of the season in which he would claim uh, the first of his three driver's titles. Also on this day in 1992, Nigel Mansell laid down a marker to the rest of the paddock with his dominant performance in the South African Grand Prix, also at Kyle, Kyle uh, No one had come near him in qualifying and in the race, he sprinted away to win from Riccardo Petrezzi, his teammate, and the other Williams Renault. It was a snapshot of how the rest of the season will play out. With Mansell finally winning the World Championship after coming so close three times before. It's always wow. funny. So
0: if one of the uh, one of the British drivers sees his shadow this weekend and wins the race,
1: exactly, yeah,
0: you can guarantee
1: George Russell is just waiting for the moment.
0: Championship. That's right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Danny thank you uh final thoughts danny
1: excited for racing excited for has some questions answered we have some some of them answered but let's hope we got some sandbaggers in there eh mm,
0: yes it's all it's all question marks until qualifying commences
2: uh final thoughts rob yeah, I'm also hoping uh, lots of people were sandbagging and that Red Bull wasn't. <laughs> I, am, I am hoping that that whole field is a lot more converged than it appears right now. But yes. even if it's not, I think there are a lot of interesting dramas we're going to see play out this year. And there's a lot of new drivers we're going to learn a lot about. This is a, like, this is a field stocked with a, a lot of new talent, and that makes it a really exciting year regardless of what happens.
0: All right. Well, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 discur- Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.